Hello, this is Ruin Willow with the Oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow podcast, where I talk about things related to sex and sexuality, including erotica fiction, which I narrate, mine and others, erotic improv, and where I have lots of amazing people to help you have better sex, better relationships, better intimacy. If you're under 18, it is time to leave the podcast, baby love. And because, you know, the topic is sex. So needs to be for people 18 and older. So today on the podcast, I have someone called the Intimacy Doctor, Alexandra Stockwell, MD, Intimate Marriage Expert. But really, all she has to say could be applied to any relationship, whether it is intimate and romantic These techniques will help you with your relationship, whether you're married or not, whether you're just dating someone and you want to have a better relationship with them, better sex with them, you got to stay tuned because she has amazing advice. And we have this great discussion. One of the things I loved talking about with her was something called clit mapping. So that's hello, yes, (laughs) for women and for the men who like to pleasure them and please them and make them come. You got to stay tuned. There's so much deliciousness in this episode. Come on, let's go. I have one announcement where I have just narrated a book in the fantasy genre. Yes, it's not erotica this time. It was really fun. It was really challenging for me to do because I had different voices I had to do, all these different like weird words. And it was things like, you know, just different names and towns and stuff. And that is called Heroes of the Carolingian Age by Joseph S. Samaniego. So check that out. I have codes for that. And I have ARC copies I can give away for free. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Please get the book. I'll put the link down in podcast show notes so that you could check it out if you're into fantasy. This is like set back in time. And it's, you know, kings and queens and all these fighting and it's just wars. It's really, really, it was a really fun story to narrate. You got to get, listen to it. Okay, before we get started with my discussion, my amazing discussion, we had a lot of fun, we really did, with Alexandra Stockwell, here is a quick message from my sponsor. Love your body. Seriously, love your body. But if you do want to change it, it's possible for men to lengthen their penis. Everybody thinks it's a hoax. It's not. This is actually based on the same concept of how people can lengthen their limbs, people who put those those circles in their earlobes to lengthen their earlobes or the rings on your neck. It's possible and you can do it. And here's how. It's based on a weight system. Okay, get more info here. I have something special to share with you. This is really amazing, interesting, and it really works. This episode is brought to you by Mail Hanger. If you're looking for a bigger penis, stronger erections, and results you can measure, you need Mail Hanger. Mailhanger is a penis stretcher that uses the concept of tissue traction to slowly add new size to your penis. Mailhanger comes with access to a step-by-step how-to guide with detailed pictures and videos, as well as support by phone, email, and a live customer chat room available 24 hours a day. Unlike most other enlargement products on the market, Mailhanger never leaves you hanging. (laughs) Use the promo code OFY10. For 10% off at MailHanger.com. Join the thousands using MailHanger and start growing. You can do it too. It's real. It works. 
It's true. That's at mailhanger.com. Male, like the gender, M-A-L-E. Hanger, like what civilized people hang their clothes on. All one word, mailhanger.com. Check it out. And don't forget to use the code OFY10 for 10% off at mailhanger.com. Okay, thank you, sponsor. And now let's get into the meat of this. I will put Alexandra's links down in the podcast show notes so that you can find out more about her in her book, which her book is an amazing title, Uncompromising Intimacy. What a great title. What a great title. I just love that title. So check that out and also check out my links down in the podcast show notes where I have all of my erotic books, my audio books, and everywhere else I am, my subscriptions across the internet and all of my social media. So check us out. Check us out, baby. Okay, let's get into this. Let's get into the meat of this amazing episode. You won't be disappointed. It was a great chat. Such good gold here, baby. Stay tuned. Alexandra Stockwell, MD, the intimacy doctor and intimate marriage expert. She teaches couples intimacy and sensual passion, an intimacy coach creating the deliciousness and joy of growth-oriented, passionate relationships. Her mission is to change the cultural narrative around long-term relationships from one of ongoing stagnation and companionship to delectable joy and deep gratification a couple feels while building passion and excitement on a daily basis. Her book is Uncompromising Intimacy. Okay, don't forget to check out all of our links down in the podcast show notes. You can find my new book, Heroes of the Carolingian Age link, which is a fantasy book, which is not erotica. So I've narrated a non-erotic book, and it was so interesting and fun. And you can check out my link tree that has all of my links everywhere I am. Don't forget to check out Alexandra Stockwell. She has so much good stuff on Instagram. She's the Intimacy Doctor. She's got the Intimate Marriage Podcast. So check that out as well. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to talk with this person today. She has so much knowledge and just so helpful to people in relationships. And she's known as the Intimacy Doctor. Her name is Alexandra Stockwell, MD, and she is an intimate marriage expert, and she teaches couples intimacy and sensual passion. I love that. She's an intimacy coach, creating the deliciousness and joy of growth-oriented, passionate relationships. Welcome. I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm so glad to be here, and I love the vibe of that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I love the whole thing. And one thing I have to say before we get started, I was, you know, scrolling around on your Instagram, of course, and I I love this phrase, marinate in your sensuality. I love that. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, that gets to the heart of one of the important topics when it comes to pleasure, intimacy, erotic aliveness, that we really need to slow down and so much in our lives has just gotten faster and faster. And in order to really experience sensuality, this is totally unrelated to clock time because you can 
marinate in your sensuality for two seconds or five hours. But the point is that the quality of presence, and I think a lot of people talk about it in terms of mindfulness, but I find that a relatively dehydrated word. I mean, it's descriptive, Mm -hmm. so it's useful, but it's a little bit dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Whereas marinate in your sensuality, that's pretty juicy. It is. And what I love about what you said, which I never really thought about is it's true. I mean, you could do it for a second or you could do it for longer and it's not bad to do either. Just the point of actually doing it is what's important. Yes. Actually, one of the places that this comes up that I end up coaching couples on often is for couples whose lives are busy. Well, actually, let me just step back a little bit and say, I've been married for 27 years. My my husband and I have four children. And when we met, it was the first week of medical school. And so the first 10 or so years of our relationship, we were in medical school with an exam every few weeks, sometimes more frequent than that, then residency training. And we got married and had our first child just at the end of my third year of medical school and the second just before I did my internship. So what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say is that we were both working 80, 90 hours a week. And I I mean, I'm not talking about in terms of taking care of children, just the medical training. And so we got along beautifully. We had strong communication. We really were in love but our sex was more what I would call functional. It wasn't bad mm-hmm. and it was happening, but it was nothing like what the poets describe or what you <laughs> write about either. Right. And so I just assumed, well, it's as many couples do, it's because we don't have enough time. And when we have time, we're going to linger in bed and expand our orgasmic experiences. I just thought... The missing ingredient was time. Well, Mm. fast forward 10, 12 years, we're not working evenings and rarely on the weekends. And our children are kind of spread apart after the first two. So we had a long phase without any babies and diapers. And we had time. And I found that actually our sex was pretty much the same as it was Mm. when we didn't have time. And that was a surprise and a kind of a revelation. Now, I was not a relationship and intimacy coach yet, but that was one of a bunch of different seeds that really directed me in my understanding as an intimate marriage expert. So that's the context. And what I like to say as an example is if you think of when one, for a married couple, I'm just going to use heteronormative terms, so I'm not tripping over pronouns, but if let's say one of you is leaving the house for work, you can just go or from the door, you can say, I'm leaving, honey, bye. Or you can go over and give a peck on the cheek or what literally can take one second, two seconds is you can go be with your partner, take a breath, be completely present body, mind, and soul, and kiss on the lips. You don't even have to have a whole makeout session. You just need to slow down enough 
marinate in your sensuality, have an erotic connection, or if you don't want it to be that erotic because you won't be able to drive well when you get your car, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But the point is you can drop into connection sure, and then leave. And when you come home that evening, it's going to feel a whole lot more like reconnecting than finding your way back to one another. So it's really not about more time. It's about expanding the capacity to marinate, to be mindful, to drop in and really experience, have your minds, hearts, and genitals aligned in the moment and all three open to connect with your partner. Absolutely. I love that adding the genitals in there because that's not, sometimes people aren't going to say that, you know, right? Like it's not, it's kind of taboo. Oh, you can't say that, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, connecting with the mind and the heart and not the genitals, that's really not a recipe for right. gratification in the bedroom. It just isn't. Those are essential, but mm-hmm. inadequate. Absolutely. They're prerequisites. <laughs> I totally agree, but it's it's great to like just you know put it out there and just to say it that way because I feel like often that's not paired with the others, you know, like they're separate somehow, like it's you know hush hush that's over there, but no, they're really integral. They're all together. They're not separate. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. You know... I love what you're commenting on because this, as you just said, it's not something that's spoken often, but in order to have really fantastic sex, especially in the context of a long lasting relationship, these things are a little bit different with a one night stand or 
dating where you really don't even have to know your partner's name in a case of a one night stand and you can have a very erotically gratifying experience. But right. when you have a life together, you wake up in the same bed, you have been together for years and decades. It's not possible to have a truly erotically gratifying experience on a regular basis without involving hearts and minds. But when we speak about connecting with our hearts and minds, it is possible to do that and just have basically a conflict-free, passion-free relationship. If we are mm -hmm. leaving our genitals, leaving the hydration, the erections and the pussy juice or whatever language you want to use, you <laughs> yes. know, they're I'm not attached to particular terms, but if you're not bringing your attention there too, you really are leaving so much on the table and you're uh, sort of wasting having a life in a body. I completely agree. I mean, that is just so true. And and this is one of the things that drew me to want to write erotica in the first place is because I was writing romance and I'm like, it's just not a full picture. It doesn't have sex in it. And for me, the full picture, it's going to include sex. And it's not going to be this little dance around the door shut sex. It's going to be sex, sex, sex. It's going to be explicit. It's going to be in it. And you're going to know. So I totally understand that because I think it's true in life. And it, for me, it was true in writing and fiction. For me, I still, you know, I do still write a little bit of romance on the, of that nature, but it's just so much more full when it includes sex. You know, yes. And when it comes not to all porn, but to most porn, it's just the sex and it would really benefit from a little bit more of the romance uh -huh. like you're talking about. And yes. I, fundamentally, we could talk in terms of societal conditioning or, you know, whatever the context is, there's so much shame and taboo that results in compartmentalization. And yeah. compartmentalization is a passion killer. It's it's convenient, mm -hmm. I suppose, if you're having an affair. It's convenient if, uh, you know, there just are certain places where it plays out, but ultimately it's a passion killer. In fact, this is a good introduction to share one of the things that I'm always glad to have an opportunity to share with an audience. So thank you for making it possible with your audience. Oh, and yes. that is my, you know, the name of my book is Uncompromising Intimacy. And I really believe deeply that uncompromising intimacy is the key to ongoing passion that just gets better with time with the same partner. And I came upon this well, in a few different ways, but I'll just start by saying that throughout the Western world, possibly the whole world, but certainly the Western world, far and away the most most frequently given relationship advice is that you need to learn to compromise. If you want a happy marriage, you have to be good at compromise. If you want to enjoy your relationship, compromise is the name of the game. And that is completely wrong. It is just total BS. Because when you compromise, you essentially withhold parts of yourself, your desires, your internal experience, even challenges and thoughts and feelings, you withhold that so that your partner is more comfortable. And mm. what that does is set 
one up for a bland, pleasant companionship resulting in the epidemic, epidemic proportions of conflict-free, passion-free relationships. But if you want erotic, dynamic, engaging, tender, vitalized passion, then uncompromising intimacy is the way to create that. And when I use the word uncompromising, I don't mean that you always get your own way. I don't mean that at all. Sure, sure. But I do mean that insofar as compromises withholding who you are and to some degree, so your partner's more comfortable, when it comes to uncompromising intimacy, you learn how to bring all of who you are in a way that your partner can receive it and ideally share themselves in the same way because it's, well, to tie it in with earlier, it's bringing the heart, the mind, and the genitals. It's bringing Mm -hmm. desires. It's bringing uncertainty. It's bringing who you are to the relationship that opens up the channels because when we get into the bedroom, if we've been kind of tamped down, numbed out, compartmentalizing certain parts of ourselves. There's no magic switch that we can then flip to be fully expressed and totally present and spread our legs and open our heart and have amazing experiences if throughout the day we've had a very different gesture. That is just really mind-blowing because I feel like everywhere, yeah, you do hear that. You're like, compromise. You got to compromise. It's a compromise. Being married is a compromise. You hear that kind of stuff, you know? And like for you to say, to be fully expressed, and I, and I saw this in your, your, content, your content, sharing the truth of who we are with our partner. The truth, not this watered down or ignoring this part of me because partner doesn't like this part of me it's full. It's all, it's a hundred percent. It's whole. It's not this, it's not Swiss cheese, baby. You know, like it, <laughs> <laughs> it's not Swiss cheese, baby. I should do a post like that quoting you. It's not. Swiss yeah, do it. <laughs> I don't know. It just popped in my head. You know, like it's so true though. <laughs> it is. And, and you know, when we can learn to be whole with our partners, it means that we are whole with ourselves. I mean, I've talked about it in terms of not withholding and sharing with a partner, but that requires a certain amount of self-awareness, self-compassion, self-acceptance, and courage, vulnerability, a kind of feisty spirit to go for it. So this is this is a very profound priority and really it doesn't mean that you need to tell your partner everything it just means you find the way for there to no longer be something that you can't say right right i think that's and i think that's a beautiful thing like and you know it's kind of the difference between being conditional and unconditional with your partner, right? I mean, you know, of course, you're going to have your boundaries, of course, you know, every, every couple is going to have a boundaries, but still there is a difference between being conditional, unconditionally, I love you as a whole, I want you as a whole versus I don't like that, I don't like that part of you. Yes, and it is a very vulnerable stance to love unconditionally because there's no such thing as informed consent in that scenario. If you Mm -hmm. love someone unconditionally, it is not possible that you know them fully and love it all. There is inherently a risk that something is going to emerge that is very unappealing. 
And so the commitment to love unconditionally really is a commitment to grow together, to find where your own heart is closed and focus on opening it in order to receive that too about your partner. Do you find too that like when this happens that people will reflect upon themselves and see why they're reacting a certain way or why does this bug me? You know, like it's just some sort of like eye-opening thing where it really makes you look out at yourself. Absolutely. In fact, on my podcast, the Intimate Marriage Podcast, whenever I interview anyone and I mostly interview couples, but even if I interview a single, I mean, whether they're single or not an individual, I always say that I deeply believe that intimate relationships are the ultimate vehicle for for personal growth. And Mm. then I ask each person, what have you learned about yourself as a result of being married to your spouse? Because Mm -hmm. we're so used to thinking about, you know, what did I learn about my husband? But really the much more potent and the question with the higher return is, what have I learned about myself as a result of being in this relationship? Right. Oh, absolutely. I can totally imagine that. I mean, and that really makes sense because you're reacting a certain way to something your partner's daughter has done. And you're reacting that way because of who or what you are, what your limitations are, what, you know, your blocks are, any of that stuff. Right. And sometimes it's just a matter of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Other times it's a matter of, I, I ask clients this often, well, how would you like to feel? Like when mm-hmm. that happens or he does that or she does that or doesn't do that, whether it's sexual or any other part of life, you know, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. And it's not a question we're often asking ourselves, but when you ask it and you answer it, then instead of focusing on what's not working, you can focus on how to create that feeling. And then, of course, there are the times when we have a block and that really is an invitation to do some deep work, whether it's with a coach or a therapist or take up running for half an hour a day, whatever (laughs) your preferred method of working it through. Mm -hmm. So... I'm sure you work with you work with couples, right? So what do you do when you have people who maybe have different mismatched libidos? Like this is something that obviously you would have to accept in your partner because your libido is what it is. And but you still have to somehow mesh that and bring that about. And I know some people are fine with their partner masturbating, some people are not. Where are you in all of that? I love how you set up the question and I I think what you've just said is absolutely what almost everyone believes. So I'm going to start my answer intending to be very respectful towards you and just say that I, I think it's wrong. Your libido is not just what it is. And I think libido mismatch is a myth to a very large degree, but let me explain that. So with libido mismatch, the idea is that one person has a libido that's however high it is, and the other person has a libido that's however low it is. And the idea is that the low libido person, that's just the status of their low libido. And the high libido person, that is their libido status. 
That is just not true when you are more holistic about the whole thing, because mm. like there are a few different things to say. One is that if someone has low libido, the first thing that I presume, it's not a hundred percent true, but it's mostly true that if someone has low libido, they are not having the kind of sex that they want to be having. Sure, and they sure. may have never had it. So they may just conclude they have low libido. But I know that if they got to know their body better and their partner learned how to talk to their body without necessarily going through verbal communication or maybe also, but the point is that if the individual and their partner learn to play their body like a musical instrument, become sure. a virtuoso in that person's body, then low libido becomes a thing of the past. I'll mm. say a few more things about this. One is that there are many, and, and I'm going to go with very stereotypical gender things just for the fun of it right now. And that is okay. that like, if a man has low libido, he has a hard time getting an erection. Well, chances are if he's having an affair, it's a lot easier to get an erection with a mistress. That means low libido is not fundamentally the problem. Maybe right. it's that he feels judged or performing things. I mean, there are all kinds of different yeah. things at play other sure. than the objective determination of low libido. Similarly with a woman, I don't know if you've come across this personally or otherwise, but there are so many women who have low libido that can even be yes. part of the context for their getting divorced. Yes. And you give it a few months and this isn't true for all women who get divorced, but it is true for enough women who get divorced that suddenly they're having a kind of a sex with an erotic deliciousness and like there's <laughs> chemistry and it's like, low libido? What are you talking about? It's not libido, libido, right? Right. That's not really what it is. Right. So I, I really familiar with the concept of low libido mismatch. It's, it's such a common concept, but I just think it's built on entirely false premises. Now I've just given a whole bunch of illustrations, but if we're talking about a couple that is married and wants to stay married and there's no mistress contributing to the erection and there's no divorce coming, contributing to igniting the libido. Like this is a committed couple that experiences the symptoms typically described as libido mismatch. Then I think the most important thing is to learn about the difference between spontaneous desire and responsive desire. So I will answer mm. your question about masturbation and so forth, but I just think these are the things to say before even getting to that. Oh, so yeah. I'll just, just define spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. Spontaneous desire is basically physiological desire. It's what any healthy, robust 16-year-old boy has, where <laughs> you think about sex and you're ready to have it. Right. And uh -huh. that can happen with either gender and is typically much more common early in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Then there is responsive desire where a person's desire is in response to what is happening in the environment. And I mean, the emotional environment and the physical environment. I mean, it, each person is 
going to have their own flavors of what they respond to. But if you aren't aware of the distinction between spontaneous desire and responsive desire, and a woman with three kids, full-time work, a house to take care of, and she says to her spouse, I really, I can't have sex unless the bedroom is cleaned up and the kitchen, the dishes are done. Like that just sounds ridiculous. Like that must be a fake answer or, or just right. an avoidant answer. Okay. So in the old days you had a headache in modern times, I need the kitchen cleaned up before I can have sex. Well, no, actually with responsive desire, she may need clean sheets or candles and music or that you've had a lovely casual conversation and been attentive beforehand or uh, it's really not gender specific i have a couple that i'm currently coaching and if they have a disagreement or snippy words or a fight like whether it's a intense or mild she's ready to have sex and he just <laughs> isn't yeah, unless yeah. they're really getting along so Basically, for a couple that identifies as having libido mismatch, the thing to do for both people is to identify what are the things that the person with responsive desire responds to. If, if you're the low libido partner, make a list. Yeah. What makes sex more inviting? Are you someone who really enjoys having sex on vacation, but not when you're at home, well, then you're too stressed. And what can you mm. take off your plate? Maybe sure. you want to meditate or maybe um, turns out that in terms of responsive desire, you really want lots of foreplay. You want to read erotica. You want to listen to erotica. Okay. Well, build that in Yes. Don't just expect to be hit by the sexual chemistry lightning, even <laughs> if the other partner can do that. And actually, the vast majority of individuals have a combination of spontaneous desire and responsive desire, but each person is likely to have a majority of one and less of the other. So for anyone with libido mismatch, maybe for today or yesterday, I'll say the question is, is masturbating hurting the sexual relationship that's shared or adding to it? And, you know, all of that is very important to handle people's feelings or not handle, but to honor people's feelings. But I really think in the case of libido mismatch, the much more important conversation to have is the one that we're talking about right now. Yeah. And that really points to another thing I saw in your content was that everything that isn't sex functions as foreplay. Yes. <laughs> that is <laughs> true. <laughs> right. Because really every interaction, it either brings you closer together a little bit or a lot, or it brings you further apart a little bit or a lot. So another way to think about this, if you're in a long-term relationship, is that literally, if you're not having sex, everything else functions as foreplay. So make mm -hmm. it work for you, <laughs> mm -hmm. whether you're the high libido 
partner or the low libido partner, because I'll just repeat to emphasize, those are not static states. Those are dynamic, changing ways of being. Okay, I have a quick word from my sponsors for this podcast episode. Let's do it, baby. Let's go. Hmm. I have another message for you from an amazing book coming out in May. Thank you to the sponsor for this episode. It's so hot. You got to listen to this. I've come across an intriguing website that might be interesting to all you fans of dark erotica out there. It's called MirrorSecretMirror.com and is promoting a book coming out in May this year, Mirror Secret Mirror. It's a bit of a strange website and an eccentric story. A young writer, Jessica Seeks, has been chained to a desk in a weird mirror-walled dungeon and made to write erotica for the pleasure of a mysterious stranger, the man behind the mirror. The writer works under strict discipline, suffering all sorts of creative punishments at the hand of her domineering master and his beautiful but cruel collaborator. The writer is often made to work wearing a chastity belt, which really helps to give her erotica a sharp emotional edge. Anyways, there's some exciting short stories posted on the blog already. There's one about a demonic circus master and his spellbound slaves, another about a betrayed wife confronting her husband's dominatrix. And now they're releasing a series centered around a catastrophic jewelry heist. There's loads of interesting stuff on the MirrorSecretMirror.com, including reviews of classic erotica novels, an offbeat interview with the author, and some spicy concept art. And... They're about to release a free BDSM game. How cool! So go ahead and check it out. Sign up to the newsletter to get exclusive behind-the-scenes updates about what's going on, or follow Mirror Secret Mirror on Twitter, Instagram, or Medium at M, capital M, S, M, those are all capitals, underscore, capital E for erotica. That's M, S, M, underscore, erotica. And of course, Look out for the book, which is set to be unleashed at the end of May. Oh, fuck yeah. That's fucking awesome. I can't wait. I'm so curious and so intrigued by this. I can't wait to fucking check it out, this book. I'm going to be putting it on my Kindle for sure. Check it out. Fucking amazing. Have you ever wanted bigger penis? Maybe for different positions, making different sexual positions easier, or for your own self-esteem, or just your own desire. Well, I have something to share with you. This episode is brought to you by a product that actually does enlarge your penis by Male Hanger. If you're looking for a bigger penis, stronger erections, and results you can measure, you need Male Hanger. Male Hanger is a penis stretcher that uses the concept of tissue traction to slowly add new size to your penis. Male Hanger comes with access to a step-by-step how-to guide with detailed pictures and videos as well as support by phone, email, and a live customer chat room available 24 hours a day. Unlike most other enlargement products on the market, Male Hanger never leaves you hanging. Use promo code OF. 
Y10 for 10% off at MailHanger.com. That's mail as in the gender, M-A-L-E, and hanger, like what most civilized people hang their clothes on. All one word, MailHanger.com. Join the thousands using MailHanger and start growing today. It's true. It's possible. Check it out. Okay, now back to the show. Let's go. And obviously, the thing missing, especially for these couples that get divorced and then the woman all of a sudden is like, her libido skyrockets, is yeah, the, the communication wasn't there. And they weren't talking about things or maybe they weren't doing things. Like you said, the, the, the kitchen wasn't clean or whatever. So that's like stress and weighing on her mind. So she can't really even think about sex because all this other stuff is like this block. Yes. And for the woman you've just described, I think one of the simplest ways to describe the problem is a lack of attention, a lack yeah. of feeling cherished, a yep. lack of attention. And so, you know, if you're a guy who's listening and you want to be having more sex with your woman, <laughs> the question to ask yourself is not when is female Viagra going to come to my home? It is, <laughs> or, you know, it's really, how can I give attention in a calibrated manner? I really need to add in a calibrated manner. I remember <laughs> coaching a couple and he was like an aeronautical engineer, just super, super left brain technical, sure. and maybe a little bit on the autism spectrum mm, too. Okay. Yep, yep. So just really precise and <laughs> follows direction, not very much nuance in his math science brilliance. And <laughs> so with him, I was talking to him about being more curious with his woman and giving her attention and making room for her. But given his personality, as I've just described, he took that instruction and she felt interrogated on a regular oh, basis. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I just really want to emphasize calibrated <laughs> attention, resonant attention. Often attention can be very potent when it comes in from the side, like when you yeah. gently stroke the inner thigh before touching anywhere near the clitoris. There's right. something that can really warm up. So it's not about putting a spotlight on your woman. It's about lighting a candle and lovingly looking in her direction. Yeah, it's not it's not a freight train. It's not <laughs> it <is laughs> he not came in a like freight a freight train. train. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> that just brings up yeah, that's a great image. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And then you know that also points to what you said earlier too, with like the slowing down, you know, like you need to slow down and be present rather than okay. It's it's not checkboxes, right? It's not checkboxes. In a way it is, but really it's not. You still need to like be paying attention to them and, and modifying as you go. It's not a strict checklist. Yeah, it's really not. And in fact, when talking about calibrated attention, when talking about really everything we've talked about, it's about paying attention to your own internal experience 
as well as your partner's. So it's not just, I want sex. Okay, let me put attention on my partner. No, it's also, right. I want sex. Am I stressed and wanting stress relief? Am I angry and I just want to channel it into sex? Am I kind of feeling empty and I want to fill up with the richness of a sexual experience? Like, what are you actually experiencing inside you? Because I really think both men and women in any kind of partnership, it's it's hard for people to picture in advance how juicy it is to presence what's happening inside you, maybe yeah. with words, but mostly with with your vibe that or both. I won't I won't say one or the other, but I think people don't realize how sexy it is to know how you feel and take responsibility for it. So for example, I do not mean that a woman who's been kind of pushing forward, getting stuff done, making sure everybody has what they need, planning and taking care of things and getting everyone to the dentist. No. But or or maybe she's doing that. And then I say, okay, well, notice how you're feeling. Well, I'm feeling really irritated because my husband never helps me. That's right. not what I'm talking about in terms of paying attention to your feelings. I'm talking mm. about feeling unimportant and realizing that's a familiar feeling that when you're stressed, that is your go-to emotion. And so really, yes, your spouse could give you more attention, but there's something inside you that needs to be pivoted. And when you take responsibility, when you do that exploration and you share it, that actually is a pretty efficient way to dial up libido, even though it doesn't sound like it. It is. <laughs> right. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's it's being heard too. Like, you know, if you are doing, feel like you're doing everything and you're not saying anything, uh, yeah, it's not gonna, that is not gonna help with any kind of foreplay situation, bringing you to want to do that with the person. So it's, you're tripping, you're tripping on something there. Yeah, actually I have a program. There's an independent study version and then a version where I do live coaching as well, but it's called the Aligned and Hot Marriage Program. And oh, I saw that. Yeah, that's a great name. I thank you that. so much. Thank you. It, yes. Who doesn't want more <laughs> alignment and especially more heat? And I love the hot in there. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And the thing is that I have a lot of testimonials from people that say some version of, I'm thinking of one in particular who said that the program doesn't focus on sex hardly at all, but the result of it is that I crave my husband more. The oh. result of it is that we feel so much closer and connected that we're having a lot more sex than ever before. But the program doesn't include sex positions or, mm -hmm. you know, it really is a very systematic easily implemented fun way to cultivate emotional intimacy, which there's so much more to cultivate, no matter how close someone feels with their partner, there's so much depth of connection available. And the majority of times 
when that is present, it just like functions as a lubricant and just slides right over into central neurotic intimacy as well. That sounds amazing. I mean, that's just, it's a great thing if people can like, yeah, I think, you know, it's also kind of putting it on where people are thinking about how many times you should have sex a week. You're thinking about performance rather than, you know, connecting and being present with each other. There's a huge difference between those two scenarios. It really is. And uh, the best is both. <laughs> Indeed. So is your program something that takes a while for people to go through or is it kind of, is it self-study or is it like actual, like watching you speak or how does it work? Oh, thank you for asking that. So there are eight modules, so can be done in eight weeks, but the independent study version, you have lifetime access. So you can, mm. usually there's one module or another that people want to marinate in, shall we say? And, <laughs> and each module consists of a fairly short, like 12 to 15 minute video, which is instructional where I'm sharing a concept and clarifying principles. And then there's another video where I tell the story of a couple that use the tools that I've just taught to illustrate how it worked in their relationship in terms of what they were challenged with and how they used it and then what happened. And then a really simple workbook on how to practice the skill with your partner. And I'm really a big fan of using tools in benign situations so that mm. when there's something intense, you already trust the tools, you're familiar with them. Your sure. focus really is in that content. So literally just going through these modules, there's a couple that actually I interviewed her for my podcast. It will drop in June. She and her mm. husband bought the program and they have young children. And so they basically do date nights at home and they made it their Friday night date night over the course of two months to do a module a week. And it totally transformed their already wonderful relationship. Wow. That's awesome. Yes. It's fun. And um, like the only time that I've had response other than people just feeling so grateful, so inspired. And I hear from couples who've been through the program years ago and they still use the tools on a regular basis. They don't think of them as tools. They're just mm. their normal way of interacting now. But the only time I don't hear that is I did have a few people uh, win the program as part of a giveaway. And they just watched every single video the way that you would binge a Netflix show. And for oh. that, you come out at the other end with a lot of education, but really what works the magic, what right. makes you crave one another, creates the emotional intimacy and makes you both hot is actually implementing the learning the videos have no purpose particularly other than to inspire you to do it with one another. Yeah, they kind of just did it half-ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then their results were accordingly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't not apply it. Like it's meant to be obviously interactive. So if you don't, if you're not stepping into it, you're, you're doing it half-ass and you're not going to get, yeah, you're not going to get it. Right. And because that implementing it is so important, the exercises really 
they're fun, they're interesting, they're not heavy. I really love the feedback when people are like, this was so much better than therapy. Oh, nice. That is a good comment. Yes. <laughs> because it is, it is in a sense therapy, but it's, it's different, right? It's not. <laughs> well, the main reason is that, and there always are exceptions to this, but by and large, couples in therapy have the experience of talking through the problems. And yeah. in my private coaching, and certainly in the Aligned and Hot Marriage program, it's really about being solution-oriented. Okay, sure, sure. Because I really think the main reason so many people are dissatisfied in their relationships or put up with good enough and compromise is because they've never gotten the education to do it differently. It's not because of some moral failing or some fundamental inadequacy, even though it can sometimes feel that way. It's mm -hmm. really due to a lack of education because we don't have role models how to really have a thriving, happy, erotically gratifying relationship. It's just not modeled in our families, in movies, in books, in magazines, like where do people get the education? And so truly once I understood that in a deep way, I just decided to provide the education in a very <laughs> accessible way. That's awesome too. Yeah, it's it's not taught to us. It's not a part of our sex ed. I mean, you know, our sex ed pretty much sucks in this country, but right, you it know, has nothing to do with pleasure, <laughs> let alone communication. Right, right. Except or if they talk about communication. It's oh, consent. Sorry. No, sorry. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. The communication is about consent. It's not about pleasure. But even the way those communication about consent modules are taught in sex ed they are they're really depressing and consent can be very sexy oh yeah and genuine right and they're coming out at it from the angle of you know you can't go too far you can't rape somebody you know what i mean like it's coming from that rather than let's let's get consent for making this awesome relationship. Right. Because really we can all assume that nobody wants to be raped unless they're in some kind of a kinky scene and that's set out right. at the beginning, but still then it's not really rape, but um, right. <laughs> like we really need consent around, you know, if you're going to have sex with a woman, if she's not wet, then right. what are you going to do to help create wetness because even when she's saying yes verbally if she's right. not wet there's a physiological no that needs attention oh exactly and I, that is so not taught i mean like i think there's even many people that don't even understand that when a woman is aroused that there are actually physical changes that occur to her vagina, to her body that allows sex to happen. Like people, I think people, a lot of people don't even realize this. So basically you're having sex when, if you're not speaking up or you're not turned on and you're still having sex, you're having sex when you're not, your body's not even ready. And that's just really sad. And that right there is a pretty surefire path to low libido. Because yes. the feedback loop is not pleasurable or inspiring. Yep. 
I love that you talked about that earlier though, because like that's still like floating around in my brain, the whole high libido and low libido. It's more of a mismatch. And one thing I thought of too, when we were talking about that is there's a sex coach that I've seen on Instagram that talks about if your wife doesn't want to have sex with you, might be because she's bored. And instead of the <laughs> husband blaming her, like, well, you just don't want to have sex with me. You know, like there's some very well could be something else going on here. Yes. And there, this is a very complex, nuanced territory because plenty of times the woman doesn't realize what the situation, I mean, plenty of times a woman knows she's bored and that's why she's mm -hmm. not interested, but, right. or that it will be boring. But there are other times where if a woman has never had right. the kind of ex erotic experience that you and I are kind of pointing to in this mm -hmm. conversation, we haven't explicitly described it, but we're speaking with that feeling present. If a woman has never experienced that in her own body or in her own body with her partner, then she may not realize that there's a whole exploratory journey worth taking to discover where her libido is hiding. Yes. And instead she concludes there's something wrong with her mm -hmm. or there's something wrong with him because he's so demanding or probably some murky hybrid of both. And so, yes, if your spouse has low libido, you want to discover what you can do to make sex more appealing, not in a manipulative way, in a very honoring way, either before sex happens or when it's happening. And if you're the one who tends to say no, or you've said no so often that your partner has stopped asking, yeah, it is your job to discover. And maybe you discover that on your own first. Right. Mm -hmm. play with different things. In fact, I just created a course for daily ohm. It hasn't, it's not available yet. I'm not sure exactly when it will be available, but guiding women to discover where there's more turn on for themselves. Certainly listening to erotica is one magnificent oh, yeah. way. And if that's the yeah. case, you know, let's just say a woman has low libido, quote unquote, and she's turned on by listening to erotica. Okay, so do you want to make a plan to listen before the two of you are together? Exactly. Do you want to listen to it with one another and let both of you see how it affects you? <laughs> it's really... I'm not listing all the options. This really is an invitation to an infinite number of possibilities that can be approached at whatever pace would be delightful. It can be a little bit edgy, but don't push too far that you end up shutting down because it's too much of a stretch. Like everything yeah. that we're talking about in discovering how to initiate and inspire responsive desire that can be done in a very gentle way. It can be done full on. Really, I'm saying all of this to make it clear that the path is a worthwhile and inviting one. 
Absolutely. And I think too, another thing that women need to do, you know, if you, if you're, they're not orgasming or maybe they've never had an orgasm, they don't even understand what all of that means. They need to explore. And I think a great way to do it too, is you, is incorporating sex toys. You know, you, when I was talking to, have you ever heard of, I think her name is Lori Mintz. Have you ever heard of her? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And one of the things she was talking about to me when I interviewed her was that doesn't believe in the orgasm gap. She believes that women aren't necessarily stimulated the right way. And I really do believe this because I have toys that can make me climax within a very short time. Like I'm talking 30, 30 seconds to two minutes in this whole discussion about there's an orgasm gap, orgasm gap, orgasm gap. Is there really or is it she's just not getting the stimulation or the whatever the foreplay or drive or the arousal that she needs. Yeah, it's so great. And you know what? I love what you've just shared because it's basically looking at the fundamental physiology, like the anatomy of the myth of the orgasm gap and the way that I talked about it in terms of the myth of libido mismatch, that's more in the desire and initiation and interest territory, but it's part and parcel of the same phenomenon that really the route to great sex is getting to know your own body mm-hmm. and sharing what you discover with your partner and inviting them to make their own discoveries as well and vice versa. Right. And I feel like, you know, I've heard stories of this. I've had a lot of coaches on here and stuff, and they'll tell me things like, you know, I had this woman come to me. She's had, you know, five children. She's in her 60s and she's never had an orgasm. And like, what? You know, like, that's just so disturbing to know. And it's really sad, but it's it's out there. It's There are people out there that are are living that and don't even understand what an orgasm even actually feels like, what happens to their body or how they can get themselves there. Yes, there are so many women in that circumstance. And I would add to that, that because we, you know, male genitalia are visible and Mm -hmm. we are very familiar with the sexual arc of men and penises and ejaculation and all that stuff. And there's a lot more variety than we commonly think. But in any case, we're all Mm -hmm. familiar with how that works. And we associate orgasm in the case of a man with ejaculation, although there are men who can separate orgasm and ejaculation. Right. When it comes to women, we think of orgasm as being equivalent to what we see when a man ejaculates. Not necessarily because there's fluid coming out, although obviously there sometimes is, but more just that that flavor. And when it comes to a woman's body, there is so much more variety. And even the definition of orgasm, I mean, we can define it as blood rushing to the genital. Like we, we can have an anatomical physiological definition, but in terms mm-hmm. of a woman in her body experiencing orgasm, there definitely are times where women are, their perineum is pulsing and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lubrication and she doesn't 
think she's having an orgasm because it doesn't have that drama and that sense of climax that we can see when a man ejaculates, but Mm. that technically is still orgasm. It's still contractions throughout the genitals. It's still aroused clitoris. It's still really yummy feelings Mm -hmm. without the kind of binary peaking phenomenon that we associate with male orgasm. So that there's another element just because when I do provide education for couples, I know that there are women and men who, when they realize what they can look for, it turns out, oh, it she wants more pleasure. She wants more intensity, but she's actually been having orgasms without realizing it. That's another right. thing that sure. happens. I can appreciate that too. Cause yeah, anything, there's different levels, there's different intensity of orgasms. And it doesn't mean that the small ones aren't an orgasm. Yeah. I mean, let's all have bigger ones, but not knock the little ones. (laughs) Right. And I was talking to a coach recently and I totally disagreed with her, but I I didn't argue on the show or whatever, but she was talking about how she said, if if your uterus or your pussy vagina, I guess vagina would be the right word, right? Does not contract at least seven times, you haven't had an orgasm. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what, what, what's this like number thing? Like, what? <laughs> you know, I obviously don't know who that is and it doesn't <laughs> matter to me, but the only context in which that is a useful way to think about it is if you're a sex researcher and you've got some kind of a yeah. probe in the vagina and <laughs> you need to see some kind of metric in order to draw conclusions. But in terms of... right the embodied experience of a woman having sex, at the point at which you're counting, you are summarily diminishing your pleasure because (laughs) you are activating parts of your brain, which are not the parts that relax and expand during orgasm at the point at which you're counting. (laughs) You're pulling yourself out of your own orgasm by counting, right? Right. So that that really is sort of like going left and going right at the same time, which means frustration. Yes. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's true. <laughs> I just was like, how can you like quantify it like that? Like, you know, and, and also how do you know, you th- we, do you think we can feel every single contraction or are there some that are so minor that they don't even like kind of register for us? Is that a thing? Okay. This is actually a very sophisticated question because, (laughs) you know, if somebody touches our face, let's just say, we know if we're being touched or we're not being touched. Right. If someone touches our hair, if we're not bald and we have a thick head of hair, someone can Mm -hmm. touch our hair and we don't necessarily feel that exactly. Anyway, I'm using these two images to kind of set the stage because when it comes to genitals, particularly female genitals, there is a whole lot more sensitivity and differentiation Mm -hmm. that is available. There are various practices that involve stroking the clitoris or different kinds of things. And it's really incredible I I had this experience myself of because I was so sexually lubricated, 
I didn't actually know for sure if I was being touched or not. And Mm. I learned to be able to guide my husband to adjust how he touches me by a micromillimeter. And then I have a totally different sensation. But when I started this sexual, one of the sexual practices we have, I really didn't even know whether or not he was touching or, you know what, it's not so much whether or not he was touching me, but because of the training that we did, he learned to touch me wearing gloves. And then I was like, you know, we're married. This is ridiculous. But I couldn't actually tell whether or not he was wearing gloves or he wasn't. And he was touching me because his touch was so sensitive for this particular sexual practice. So what I'm trying to say is that just like cultivating mindfulness in any other arena, I think the capacity to consciously perceive how many contractions and where they measure on the Richter scale, that is a skill that can be developed. But the vast majority of women, we have a lot of unconsciousness in our genitals still, no matter how often we've had sex in our lifetime and no matter what kind of sex we've had. Yeah. I can add to something to that too, because I got a sex toy called the Zumio. I don't know if you've heard of the Zumio. I've heard of it. Yes. It's kind of like a pen, right? And so all these different toys you can you can put around your entire clitoris and you're just feeling these, these these things. But this is so pinpointed, right? It's a very fine tip on this toy. And they have four, I think four different models. But it actually taught me in using this toy that there are different parts on my external, the clitoris, the glands or whatever you call it, on the outside that feel different. And there are different parts that are more intense. And I would have never known this unless I use this little fin, fine, what do I call it? Fine tipped toy where it's got this tip. I would have never known that until I've- That's amazing. Yes. There's actually a very fun activity called clitoral mapping. And Mm. you can essentially visually break your clitoris up like a clock face into 12 quadrants. And you'll see that 12 to one has one kind of flavor, one to two, (laughs) two to three. I mean, if someone is listening and you want to start, I recommend you just start with 12 o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock and nine o'clock. And sure, in every woman is a little bit different. So I wouldn't generalize, but often in one of those, there's like a more fiery kind of erotic feeling. And another one of those clock times, let's say there's, there's like more of a deeper earthy erotic sensation. And maybe that's when you're more likely to have tears escape your eyes. And it's like, yes, it's a little bit, you know, I'm laughing. I haven't thought of it this way before, but I am now. (laughs) Like if you think of reflexology where there's like, Yeah, yeah, You can touch different, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but I I know the principle where you touch different parts of the foot and in Chinese medicine, it's supposed to correlate with different parts of the body. And I think the ear Mm -hmm. similarly, like an acupuncturist will, um, you know, put a needle in different parts of the ear in order to access different parts of the body. So I'm not saying either of those with any kind of precision, but using them more as an analogy that on the whole clock face of the clitoris, 
there are many different flavors of feminine orgasmic energy. And so if you practice paying attention to each one in the way that you've just described so beautifully, then you become aware of sensations which are all kind of more mushed together and less nuanced, more generic if you just have mm. the the pad of a finger touching the entire clitoris all at once. And so the question of, you know, can you feel all of the contractions? Well, they can be happening, but whether or not our mind can differentiate yeah. and distinguish, that right. is an ongoing sexual mastery path. I think it's very exciting though, to think about the fact that we as women can explore this. And this is probably just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other parts of the clitoris that we don't know about. We don't understand and we don't pay attention to. So we are not learning these things unless we do things like we were just talking about. And other thing I want yes. to say is too... I, I just I just want to interject if you don't mind. Yes. That's not yes. the only part of the genitals that are like that. There's all oh, kinds yeah. of areas inside the vagina as well. But please go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, okay, like, like it makes me think of the difference. We were talking about how, you know, is stimulating the entire clitoris as a whole versus mm -hmm. in parts. It's kind of like you thinking of, you know, you're immersing yourself in a hot tub. You're like, oh, it just feels good all over versus getting a massage that's like all these different intricate parts of your body. And so I think we Great need to approach analogy. <laughs> we need to approach sexuality this way, right? We need to be doing it, yes, looking at it as a whole, but we also need to be breaking it down. We need to be slowing down and looking at all these different parts and stimulating these different parts and paying attention. What do I feel when I do this? What do I feel when I do that? And we don't take the time to do that. And we are missing out big time if we don't. Yes. And I think it really depends on where any given person is on their sexual journey. Because yeah. if you're just sitting in a chair, then getting in the hot tub is the most mm -hmm. relaxing, wonderful, sensual experience. And if you are in the hot tub often, well, get some really cool massage and try different mm -hmm kinds of Swedish massage and Thai massage and hot stone massage and <laughs> get to know you, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I really just think it's like wherever anyone listening, wherever you are on your sexual journey is a wonderful place to be because mm -hmm. there's always a next step to take that's right sized for you that offers expansion and more wonderful experiences with perhaps some awkwardness and fails along the way. But really, wherever you are, nobody has exhausted what is possible in the way of pleasurable sensations in the human body. No one. And just don't sit out. I guess that's a bit. Don't, yeah, don't, don't put yourself on the bench. Get the game. Yes. <laughs> don't tie yourself to that bench because and there's no shame in being anywhere on that spectrum. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's no shame in it at all, but I think it's just, it's, it's a tragedy to not participate, to not go on that journey, to not start, to just sit back and say, oh, that's not for me, or I can't do that. My body can't do that. Or just to think that you know everything. There's so you know, many things you don't know. I agree. And you and I, with a very straightforward manner, can say there is no shame. And it could be that for somebody listening, the next right step is to 
listen to all of your podcasts and listen to all of my <laughs> podcasts because yes. actually the first thing is to mm-hmm. let the shame wash away and normalize the kinds of things we've been talking about. And if yeah. you are listening and you hear, you know, there's no shame about that and you're like, wherever you are listening, thinking right on, then get in the hot tub. And if you got in with a bathing suit, (laughs) take your bathing suit off, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) So very true. Oh, this has been so much fun. This has been amazing. I've loved our chat. It's been so great. Is there anything that you haven't said that you wanted to mention or explore or expand on that we haven't done yet? You know, I've loved our conversation too, and I appreciate that question. And the one thing that comes to mind is that we've kind of touched on it, but I want to just say it super directly. And that is that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. And I mean that in terms of relationship dynamics and also having a fantastic sexual relationship is also a learnable skill, no matter what the situation is, as long as that's something that you both want, it's a learnable skill. So if you don't have what you want or you want more, don't think you're stuck. You're not. It is a learnable skill. And all of my programs and my book on compromising intimacy are intended to provide the skills and this podcast certainly does. And there are many other ways as well. So if you don't have the relationship you want, it is a learnable skill. And your next thing is to become a student. Beautifully said. I love that. Absolutely. Definitely. And so we've said where people can find you, but did you say the name of your podcast? It's your name, right? Actually, my podcast is the Intimate Marriage Podcast, and my book is Uncompromising Intimacy, but really what I would like to do is invite everyone to come to my website, alexandrastockwell.com, because that's really the starting point. You can find links to my podcast. You can download the first chapter of my book. You can find the Aligned in Hot Marriage program. You can contact me and send me a message. You can find me on social media. Just everything starts with alexandrastockwell.com. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I'm just really excited to, I'm excited to put this out into the world. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So thank you. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Okay, don't forget to check out all of our links down in the podcast show notes. You can find my new book, Heroes of the Carolingian Age link, which is a fantasy book, which is not erotica. So I've narrated a non-erotic book, and it was so interesting and fun. And you can check out my link tree that has all of my links everywhere I am. Don't forget to check out Alexandra Stockwell. She has so much good stuff on Instagram. She's the Intimacy Doctor. She's got the Intimate Marriage Podcast. So check that out as well. She's got this great program for hot marriage. Yes. And don't forget the clitoral mapping. I'm still stuck on that one because I love it. (laughs) Okay. So check her all out. I hope you have an amazing Friday, an amazing weekend. Put some of this stuff into play in your relationship. And don't forget to come today, whether you come with your partner or partners or yourself and self-care masturbation. Those hormones that you create in your body are healing. They are relieving of stress and pressure. So good. They're healing for your body and your mind. So make sure you come today. Okay, you have an amazing fucking day. Love ya. 
Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning you get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.